This is our 40th episode, a milestone in podcast history uh, for what is widely considered the most popular uh, film and video podcast in the world, according to the iTunes charts. And you can definitely check that, and that's definitely a true statement, I believe. Uh, joining me today, I got Adam Myros. Hi, Steve. Hey there. Jake Trapila. Can I say it? You can, can say, say it? it. Can I say it? How you doing, everybody? Oh, Lord. That's a that's a good preview for what's to come. Uh, Sean Glynis. Uh as Judd Apatow once said, this is forty. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. That was that was good. That's topical. What I, I, I don't even know what to say. And uh, he might be knocked up. It's Jack Eason. <laughs> I I might be. Yeah, yeah you, it's good to be here. You're a super bad boy. That's why we got you on. Thanks, Steve. You say the right thing every time. That's right. That's what I do. Gotta gotta get your motor revving if you know what I mean. All right, so last podcast... Like a train wreck. <laughs> like a train wreck. How many other ones? Are we on Apatow's IMDb page yet? Have we, have we milked this one to completion? Is super bad even... That's not even right, is it? I mean, it's... Come on. It's, it's close thing. enough. Yeah, it's... it's oh, a, yeah. produced like every fucking movie. It's, un, it's undeclared. Mm. Guys, let's forget about this Sarah Marshall and move on. Jesus. Yeah, These guys are a bunch I of mean, freaks and geeks. We're, uh, our audience thinks that we're funny people, and this is just <laughs> off track. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's actually all the movies that he's done. Uh, uh, so, no, there's a 40-year-old virgin. Yeah. I'm Hard sorry. Hard to shoehorn that one in. Guys, we're going to have to delay the podcast. Yeah, we didn't the, have the, Coleman on the pod this time. Guys, the, the, <laughs> the cable guy's here. i gotta, I got to go answer the door. <laughs> i got to go to the gym after and lift some heavyweights. <laughs> that was actually really good. Good pull, good pull. All right, so last week we talked about uh, just some of our favorite movies from 2016, particularly ones that were a little bit under the radar, not your typical Oscar fair, which we'll obviously cover when we do an awards season podcast a little bit later this month. So this week we decided to flip the script and talk about Judd Apatow movies. No, we're not going to talk about Judd Apatow movies, thank the fucking Lord. We're actually going to be talking about the worst things that we saw in 2016. And we've, we've kind of touched on a few of these, uh, which I, I, I just want to gloss over those in the beginning so we can kind of get into the meat of things that we haven't quite discussed yet on the podcast. Uh, and then, boy, you guys are in for a real treat. This is uh, shit month. Welcome to shit month, because we're also <laughs> going to do a dumpuary podcast on some of the terrible garbage that we've seen in 2017, so you can look forward to that. Anyways, gentlemen, the first thing that comes to mind is a movie that I've somehow seen three times. Which is an inappropriate amount of time. To, like, I think I've seen it more than any other 2016 movie, which is horrific. Uh, Suicide Squad, obviously, is, is, is fucking awful. Uh, is, is there anything else to be said about this movie? Like, the, the more that it's How marinated in your brain? It, yeah, that's my question. <laughs> Let me Why explain it to you. So, I, uh, I, I saw it in the theater, and I, I, I wrote my article and everything. And I was back in Detroit, and couple of my friends they do a podcast called uh good views or yeah good views or no good brews bad views it's about good beer and bad movies they asked me to be on it because they like the the suicide squad article so i was like cool what are we gonna watch and they're like we're gonna watch suicide squad I was like, great now i gotta watch this again so 
I found out after I agreed to do this that what they do is it's not it's not like a traditional podcast. It's basically like a like a commentary track. So I had to watch the movie beforehand, and then I thought I, we were just going to talk about it, but we didn't talk about it. It was just like I, we were watching it again, and I just had to talk about it while it was actually on the television in front of me. So basically, I watched it three times, including twice in the span of 24 hours. <laughs> right. And did, Out of those three times, were any of them the extended edition that David Ayers promised his, his grateful fans? No, I actually, I actually made... I, I, made sure that we were just watching the theatrical version. Shit, so. so you're going to have to see it a fourth time. Yeah. I am, because <laughs> I think that's... See all that sweet that extra, Joker material. Yeah. That extra 20 minutes is really going to tie it together. Totally going to tie it together. <laughs> yeah. uh, but make sure you watch the three-hour Batman v. Superman first, so it all makes more sense. Jesus. And and the uh, three-and-a-half-hour All the Pretty Horses. <laughs> oh, yeah. That one's on my list for sure. I I don't even know what else there is to say about that movie other than... It it doesn't get better. It it just every time it it hurt more and more to watch, and I, I kept picking up on more little things that annoyed me. Uh, it, it's certainly, with the exception of one movie that we're going to talk about, which I believe is our consensus worst of 2016. You would be hard pressed to find a movie that hates women more, is more casually racist, is more poorly paced, and just ludicrous, ludicrously plotted. Than Suicide Squad. It is a colossal failure on just about every single level imaginable. Especially when the goal of the movie is just be a competent action movie. I mean, in the era of Marvel films, isn't that really all you have to do? Yeah, it's got a built-in audience these days. Yeah, just fucking line them up, knock them down. Yeah, I would say for Suicide Squad, I mean, it's a really awful film, but I, I think other than maybe Warcraft, it's like I'm trying to think of any other film that spent that much money to be that bad. It's it, like there's there's other films that are about as bad as Suicide Squad, maybe even worse, arguably. There's yeah. one that's definitely worse that we'll get to later, but none of them spent anywhere near as much money to be made, like $120 plus million dollars to be oh, yeah. that short. My God, the, the soundtrack alone probably costs more to license than most feature films cost to make. It's ridiculous. The whole thing is ridiculous. And it's just, oh, Jesus Christ, so, so much of that movie. And the one thing that I really picked up on uh, the third time I watched it, finally clicked with me, I realized, you know, there's, there's two Will Smiths. There's cool action star Will Smith, and then there's, like, serious Will Smith. So you would think in Suicide Squad that you're getting cool action star Will Smith, but he flips the script because it's basically, his character is pretty much the pursuit of happiness character, but with a gun. Like, the mannerisms, the, the vocal inflection, his behavior, everything about it. Yeah. I I, um, spe- I was thinking about those two uh, parts of Will Smith as well uh, when um, I was listening to this really good podcast um, called Sharking the Jump, and they talked about Will Smith's career. Oh, my God. Sharking uh, the Jump. Where, where, do you, where do you find that? Uh, I think you can find it in the Optimism Vaccine Network. I can't remember, but hmm. um, I really thought that it was insightful and... Yeah. Wow, you're really you're really doing a number three over there. Just thinking about it. Uh, <laughs> let's let's actually this is a great segue. Uh, we're not actually going to talk about Sean masturbating. We're going to talk about uh, Will Smith fucking collateral butter. I, I never got around to seeing it. I, I tried. I did my very best, but it was sold out because mm-hmm. the people of suburban Milwaukee are 
uh, mouth-breathing assholes and decided that they were going to all buy tickets and probably seriously watch that movie. Jake, were you the only one who actually caught it out of all of us? I'm afraid I may be. Is uh, anyone else here get anything out of this? I'm- I mean, I don't know, maybe I did see it and someone just gaslit me so I don't remember. Yeah, Yeah. Collateral Beauty is amazing because it's one of those studio holiday films where every single decision made is completely wrong. And Suicide Squad is awful, but I think the characters in Collateral Beauty may actually be worse than the characters in Suicide Squad. And the fact that Will Smith uh, is in both of them is just astonishing how his career has come to this um, collateral beauty. I wrote about it as part of my five worst films of the year. And we touched upon it in the shark and the jump, but just it's, it's just astounding how stupid it is and how, how awful that the characters are that, you know, they hire actors to convince Will Smith that he's crazy after he's grieving over the loss of his daughter. It's it. Well, I, I don't have any more words yeah, for it, really. Yeah, I, I thought it was, before you told me about it and before I started reading stuff about it, I really thought it was going to be like a uh, yeah. like, like a, a Dickens Christmas story type of thing. Exactly. Because, because you know, with, with the whole thing in the, in the trailer with, you know, whatever, hope and change and Morris Day in the time or whatever the, the fucking spectral characters are. But yeah, it turns out they're just assholes that were hired by people to gaslight uh, one Will Smith. So that's, that's real great. <laughs> Real Just what, a, what a fucking horrifying premise for a movie. I know. It's, it exactly. sounds like a horror movie. When someone actually explains it to you, you're like, oh, my God. Like, it, that's that's crazy. It's like a De Palma thriller or something. Like, what's going on? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. And it's like the last thing that men need is to be gaslit more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> oh. oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah. And then I'm going to go ahead and ruin the movie because each of the three actors in the film, within the film, do it for $20,000 a piece. And then after they convince Will Smith to sell the company so that they can, so that his coworkers can keep their jobs, they pay each of those uh, characters $20,000. And then it turns out that they're actually ghosts at the very end of the movie who are just trying to make Will Smith better. And then I was sitting there thinking, ghosts don't need money. Where did all that money go? Yeah, that's Jake, a good you don't point. know ghosts don't need money. Yeah, <laughs> what's what's the current spectral currency? Are they on the euro? How is Brexit affecting them? Collateral beauty too. Mm. The underworld yeah. really takes the appeal out of the afterlife. You still have to make a buck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> got to show up in collateral beauty. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, that, and that's the biggest takeaway from collateral butter is you know we can't escape late capitalism. It follows us to the grave, no matter what. Do we? Do we even remember why we call it collateral butter? Was there a reason, or is it just because that happened? Uh, I think because collateral margarine doesn't melt as well. I I don't know. Why are we calling it collateral butter? I don't know. Collateral beautician and beast. What? (laughs) Collateral beautician and the beast. That's a movie I'd see. There you go. Uh, Yeah. So what's next? Oh Jesus! Uh, Collateral I guess, beauty. Don't see it. That's my review. Well, let's yeah, let's let's it, wait, let's uh, touch on uh, well, the other what, ones. Wait, what were you gonna say, Sean? I was gonna um, take a look real quick. So, the budget for Collateral Beauty was thirty-six million, mm-hmm. and uh, domestic as of like the other day hadn't made that back yet. So, um, I mean, Suicide Squad, you know, like doubled its profits, obviously, but domestically sure. because of you know built-in audience stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah. Collateral beauty so far um, is we're, we're, we, we're in line if, with the populace. 
Yeah, if people keep buying tickets, Will Smith's just going to keep doing this. So mm-hmm. people stop showing up. Also, by the way, uh, fuck China because Suicide Squad <laughs> made a killing in China and overseas. So yeah. uh, another argument for Suicide Squad is the worst movie of 2016 is I think most of the movies, if not all the movies that we're going to discuss today, will not get a sequel and will hopefully be lost right. to the sands of time and forgotten forever, whereas Suicide Squad is going to be around. And it, there's going to be another one and maybe another one after that. And I, I don't know if I, that's the world I want to live for, in. That, that's especially sad news for Jack because he was really looking forward to Ten Lives. Uh, yeah. Ten lives, indeed. Yeah, no, I was thinking with the fuck China rhetoric. I thought we'd stumbled into the inauguration, but ah. that, I guess we'll, <laughs> I'll come in later. Listen, um, my favorite Springsteen cover band, the B Street Band, is playing the inauguration. I'm I'm good to go. Plus, uh, that that band, uh, Three Doors Down, they're playing, which is right. weird. Yep. Because I thought one of the guys in that band died, but I guess it was another shitty '90s band that I had forgotten about. Like, well, who cares if someone in the band died? You think they can't rotate them out? Uh, it's true. They probably <laughs> just got like the singer from Vertical Horizon or like Hinder or something to just slot them in. They're probably—I mean, you can just rotate them all. It's just everybody who liked a Pearl Jam record and then started a band. That's that's pretty much what uh, Three Doors Down is. Uh, and then who else? Oh, they paid T Pain a million dollars, so you get T Pain. <laughs> Which is well, oh no, it's not T Pain. It's a uh, Flow Rida. My mistake. But, yeah, oh, that okay. makes more sense. I yeah. think. Well, I mean, you know, Florida, Florida definitely went to Trump, so he was just like, "We got to get Flow Rida." Makes sense. <laughs> got to get the titular. <laughs> I was thinking in terms of sequels that shouldn't happen for China. Uh, one of the other terrible films of this year, just to mention it, Warcraft, is pretty much two hours to set up a sequel. So if they don't make a sequel for that film, eventually, it's gonna really suck extra hard it's if anyone ever happens to watch it later which is admittedly unlikely mm-hmm. uh they're going to be extra pissed off like 10 years from now it'll just be a floating island of nothingness with no sequel to set it <laughs> well and warcraft's interesting too because not as not only is it pretty much like two hours of exposition and it's a dog shit movie but uh it, it gets a lot of defense online from internet nerds because i guess it's it's very uh, it, it keeps to the lore of of Warcraft very closely, so the nerds are, are yeah, very there's happy. There's a lot about of that. subtle nods to shit in the game that no one could possibly care about, mm-hmm. so that's always good. And I think yeah, I think that's that not pops really up the sort stuff. of game that has a plot, is it? No, I mean there, it's there's... it's typical high fantasy bullshit. You know, if you played Warhammer or any of that fucking nerd shit, that's that's what it is. It's just mm-hmm. high fantasy nerd shit in video game form. That's it. Uh, but yeah, Good like time. Assassin's Creed, which was also dragged through the mud by the critics, which, Jake, I think you actually liked, so we could talk about that a little bit. Uh, sure. That's another one where I-, I can't believe that it was a serious movie with real people attached to it, because it has the dumbest, most video gamey plot ever. Like, it's the stupidest fucking shit. Uh, so, what? Jake, are you familiar with the actual Assassin's Creed video games, or did you just see the movie, or...? Yeah, I'm familiar with the first game, and I... I actually bought it expecting it to be like a, a medieval stealth sword and sandal type game. Oh, boy, were you And uh, boy, was I disappointed to find out it actually takes place in the future and you go back in time to play an, one of your ancestors and go on these uh, stealth missions. And I got about an hour into it before I lost interest and never played a game again from the series. Sure. Um, so, and the sad thing is the film really sticks close to that. Um that formula it takes place in the present. Michael Fassbender's a convicted con, or a, he's a convict on death row, and he's pulled off, kind of like uh, La Femme Nikita, and 
he's tasked by this company, which is run by Jeremy Irons, to go back in time and be one of his uh, ancestors who was a trained assassin that was on the that was protecting, I guess, the apple of life, mm-hmm. which allows for free will in man and is believed to be the cure for violence by Marion Cotillard's character. And it's the plot is just so incomprehensible, but. Oh, shit, Marion Cotillard is in this movie, too? She's mm-hmm. in it. Um, can, can we do a what? separate podcast where we just speculate wildly about what all these actors are buying with these paychecks, like Michael Fassbender, <laughs> Marion Cotillard, Jeremy Irons, and like other films like Robert De Niro, which we'll get into, like Will Smith. What are they buying with this money? Because just showing yeah. up with whatever. Not only is Marion Cotillard in it, but because I believe Michael Fassbender is Irish, uh, Brendan Gleeson plays his father, and then at one point, Jeremy Irons walks into a church and talks to Charlotte Rampling for five minutes about this uh, this fruit of life that they're looking for. And um, what interests me about the film is that it's directed by a guy named, I believe his name's Justin Kurzel, who directed the Macbeth film with Michael Fassbender last year. So it has a lot of the same aesthetic as Macbeth, um, which I thought was a really gorgeous looking, if kind of hollow film. Um, but he really commits to the to how asinine the plot is beautifully like everybody's got this great poker face on and it's the most ridiculous story that i actually had a lot of fun watching it that's fair sounds good yeah i'll I'll give a stealth recommendation uh, for stupid cinema Uh, the accountant is my favorite film that's completely ridiculous but everyone takes it dead seriously and it works Um, (laughs) so if assassin's creed is half as much fun as the accountant yeah they probably make a good double feature i haven't seen the accountant yet but from what i've heard um they're kind of in the same vein Works for me. That's a glowing yeah. recommendation. So Assassin's Creed, maybe not shitty. Yeah. Uh, what about... Not saying, not saying it's good, no. but maybe the critics were a little too hard. Yeah. I think we should talk about uh, Jake and Jack and Myros's favorite movie of 2016. Just touch on it briefly, because there's another podcast where uh, you, can, you can listen to these guys talk about this movie extensively. Uh, what, the Neon Demon, man. Jack, how much do you love the Neon Demon? Uh, I, funnily enough, I think I like the Neon Demon more than Jake and Adam, and, oh. and it is a shitty movie that I hate. So that's <laughs> something. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, yeah, it's it's like um, it is. I don't know. It's like going to a disco where like and just everyone just walks very slowly for two hours, and that's basically the movie. And at the end of it, it's like uh, youth is. Uh, I don't know, youth is carnivorous or something, and all the women in it eat each other, and it's like the fashion industry destroys women, but it's kind of a sexist movie a bit, because all the women are basically just preening morons, and um, yeah, it's uh, that's basically the movie. It's uh, Just watch Suspiria instead, because it's equally as colorful, but actually entertaining. Fair yeah, enough. The, the Neon Demon is certainly not entertaining. It is no, uh, it is not. It repels all entertainment, all facets of entertainment. It is absolutely just ridiculous. I still think Only God Forgives is worse, but this now is see that's that's where you're wrong. Um, <laughs> Only God forgives. <laughs> Only God forgives is terrible, but I, I, when I watch it, I at least get some sort of semblance of a narrative in the film. And it still has that slow pace of characters slowly walking across the rooms. But, I mean, it's got, I mean, if anything, just on superficial level, it has just more violence and it's shorter, which is more exciting to watch than the pained expression of Elle Fanning's face as she 
you know, walks slowly through a scene. As she realizes a, a she's in the Neon Demon. Runway. Literally, my literally my favorite part of the Neon Demon, the one thing I latched on to, um, is it's one scene where all the models are, because Elle Fanning shows up in town, and she's like the it girl. She's like fresh from Midwest, whatever, but fuck USA, and she's coming to Elle. Uh-oh. Is Jack dead? Where'd he go? Jack? Jack, you know, left Jack's us? Dead. Jack's dead, whatever. <laughs> The he bi- got sucked in by the neon demon. He did. That's that's just it. Nicholas Winding Refn showed up. And he's like, "What is wrong with you?" And he just stabbed him to death. Uh yeah. You know, I, I I don't know. I who has not? Steve, did you see? I neon haven't. Demon? I haven't seen it. No, I thought about watching it a few times. Then I didn't. Yeah, it's just like when I saw it at the time. I saw it. I was uh, convinced it would be my least favorite film of the year. I was just furious leaving the theater. Mm-hmm. The He's end gone. credits where uh, you're basically just it just like continues on after the movie ends where there's this like a scene of a desert going on forever. And it's just like, what the fuck? This it's a two hour movie that feels like it's about 17 hours long. And sure. uh, like another like another movie we might talk about that uh, goes on after the credits. Sure, <laughs> sure. And the uh, the. I, I, I man, I just don't get. I mean, at least only God forgives is gorgeous. <laughs> it's not yeah. good, but it's uh, really visually interesting. And the Neon Demons visuals were downright pedestrian for what uh, you've come to expect from Refn. Yeah. Sure. And the Neon Demon, like, I just kept waiting for something, anything to happen. And then once violence does happen. Uh, it's all mostly off screen, and then the movie drags on for like another twenty five minutes before it just stops. Uh, you see, I just had an issue with Only God Forgives that it's just uh, I, like there's nothing to that film to me. It it makes no sense. Neon Demon does at least have a thesis. It's a really superficial thesis, but it has one. Only God Forgives. I still I don't even know what Refn is trying to say in that movie, other than that maybe God likes karaoke. I don't think he has anything to say in either film, but I just. Only one of them bored me to tears. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's weird too because I think Neon Demon is it's certainly the most divisive movie of 2016 because I've seen it pop up on plenty of best of lists and probably an equal amount of worst of lists. So uh, yeah, I don't know. What kind of person would of love best this films movie? of the year? I I don't I don't think I could have a conversation with you. <laughs> it is it is baffling. I don't because even at its even at its most fundamental, if you look at the thesis, it's literally, it's it's just beauty and youth and women preying on each other for superficial beauty, and that's it. Like, there's nothing else to be derived from the film, and that's not even really a thing. It's like, the fashion industry might be predatory on young women, that might be true, but Nicholas Winnie Refn never goes into the fashion industry. He just shoots off into outer space with his own crazy, hyper-stylized vision of fashion, and then he starts using nature footage which is almost equally stylized so the film isn't about either of those things even though it tries to contrast them and that's mm. basically the film it's basically a film about how nicholas winning rafen preys on women <laughs> yeah he doesn't seem to have any fundamental understanding of the fashion industry or anything of that nature either it's yeah just... he has no interest in it but it's a film <laughs> that is supposed to be about that yeah it's an indictment of something he does not make any effort to understand it's uh... Oliver Hoven did that with Starship Troopers, but like it was a funny reason why he disregarded the core text or the facts. This is just someone who didn't like. This is someone coming up with a book report by putting extra stickers and coloring it in a lot and drawing diagrams, but they never actually read the book. (laughs) 
I don't know. He probably he probably thumbed through a Cosmo or two. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm sure he has. Uh, I'm not yeah. sure. I have a feeling the only thing Nicholas Winning Refn looks at is are his own movies, and he's got one hand in his pants the whole time. <laughs> that's that's yeah. entirely possible. That's entirely possible. Apparently, you know, that so, movie was made on a, a shoestring budget of seven million dollars. Well, oh, I bet uh, maybe six mm. million of that went to Keanu. <laughs> yeah, Keanu I out just, best. Just, I just don't see that movie. But you know, we talked about it. Probably yeah. not that much more in depth, but we did talk about it on the uh, Nicholas winning ref and uh, sharking the jump that we did as well. So. Hey, so you can check that out on OptimismVaccine.com. Another plug. This is actually an entire podcast dedicated to plugging other podcasts <laughs> that we've recorded. Instead of doing a new podcast, we just uh, refer yeah. you to old podcasts. That's what people do. They do, they do <laughs> recaps. Beginning of the year, end of the year. It's, that's what it's all about. This well, is actually a 12-part recap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys know, but uh, we're going to do a best of optimism vaccine for uh, for the rest of the month, and I'm just going to repost every single podcast we've ever done because everything we do is gold. So, that's true. That's true. Yeah, just like that Spandau Ballet song. Exactly. <laughs> Where's Steve Coleman when you need him? He probably would have started singing the melody. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, one more movie that I want to I want to touch on that we've discussed a little bit before on past podcasts, uh, but I think I was the only person who saw it at the time, and I was trying to explain it to you guys. And it has such a stupid, convoluted plot. I have tried to explain the plot of this movie to so many different people. And even in the course of explaining it, I I, I get lost and stumble over it myself, even though it's so dumb and seemingly simple. I don't think this movie has an elevator pitch. Like, one does not exist for it. Uh, I'm I'm talking about shut-in. So were you guys able to track this one down? I know, Jack, you found, like, a cam rip or something on a torrent site, right? I, I did, and I sat through it, and like, if you did, you pay money to see this. Steve? I did, did, I did. You? It was five dollar um, Tuesday, so I didn't pay a lot of money. Uh, and I sat, I, I sat in a theater that smelled that's like pee. A heavy investment. <laughs> yeah, but shutting was honestly, it's one of the most unsurprising, uninteresting films I, I have seen in years. It's one of those movies that isn't even. It can't even pull out a twist that's so ridiculous. You're like, oh, that's really stupid. It literally has... It, there's so few a- ingredients in it. Nothing that happens is even vaguely surprising. And then it's just Naomi Watts in a dark house walking around. It's like the worst episode of House Hunters you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy because the, the twist in that movie is so batshit stupid. But even to explain to someone like what the thrust of the movie is because it's like you have these two parallel stupid ideas so on one hand it's every horror movie of 2016 wherein is there a haunting or is it just you know a child in the wall or something see also the boy uh the conjuring 2 you know all these other movies where they're just not sure if it's real or not so it's got that going on and so Naomi Watts, it turns out she doesn't have a spooky little boy. It's just a kid in the wall. Spoiler. And But that's not, that's not the real spooky problem. The real spooky problem is her catatonic son is actually not catatonic and just likes her wiping his ass or something. Yeah, he's slowly, slowly poisoning her or whatever. Yeah, it's when I say like there's twists in it where they reveal those things, but there's because literally there's only four or so elements of the film, which is like Naomi Watts' old dark house, a lost child who may or may not be in the house, and the invalid son 
who at a certain point you're kind of like, well, either he isn't an invalid at all or else it's a ghost, and I don't care either way. So when the when they <laughs> reveal these things, it's just there's no sense of surprise. You work you can work out all the permutations beforehand. All of the permutations are bad. And then it it just one of them happens and you're kinda of like, Okay, so we're going down that route, great. How much is left in this? Like a hundred minutes or whatever, I don't know. I guess only yeah. sixty. It takes about a half hour before terminal boredom really sets in. Sure. And yeah. I, I think it's it's weird too because this is two boring, uninspiring, but competent films smashed together to make one giant, boring, uninspiring, completely incompetent films. So you could have had, you know, Lost Boy, is it a ghost, or is it a boy living in your walls? Like, that's a movie. That's a movie that's been done a thousand times before. Or you could have a movie where it's Naomi Watts uh, taking care of her invalid son, but maybe he's not. And that's another movie. But somehow these two things get smashed together into, like, a giant shit slurry, and that's what we're left with. It is shockingly dumb. And I have no idea why, like, Oliver Platt and... Uh, Naomi Watts are just slumming it in this movie, and then uh, the 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 kid, uh, the, the what what is he's in Stranger Jacob Things? Or? Yeah, the Stranger oh. Things kid. Oh, the older one. Yeah, the I one who plays okay. uh, smelly oh, kid with a camera in Stranger Things. Yeah, him. He's in it. So you have like people. I suppose he wasn't really a thing at the point when this movie was made but the, again, this is another movie where it's like, okay, there are real actors in this. What are they doing? Why are they here? I, it's, yeah, I don't I, know. Yeah, and and again, like I say, it's the, like there's just I, it's hard to stress how uninteresting the film is. That like if you listen to this and you think, oh, that sounds dumb, you know, that might be kind of funny because it's so stupid. Oh, it isn't. No. It is just totally boring and dull. Yeah, completely. Like it is not so bad. It's good. It's not stupid enough to be kind of worth a chuckle. It is just really, really boring. Yeah, for the entirety of its runtime, at no point does it become even vaguely interesting. Sure, sure. And I think you know whether or not Shut In is the worst movie of 2016. I don't know about that, but it is without a shadow of a doubt the least interesting movie of 2016. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Now, this is coming from a man who did not see the Neon Demon, mind you. <laughs> I, no, at least Neon Demon has like flashing lights and. Women eating each other. Yeah, the shutting is significantly more boring than Neon Demon. Yeah, which is an astronomical achievement, I must say. It it is. You probably like if you could find a way to harness that power, we could probably like get electricity for everyone forever. (laughs) Cure insomnia. (laughs) All right, I got. We got. We got two more things that I want to touch on briefly before we get to our big, our, our big definitive worst of 2016 here. Uh, can, can you guys tell me about Yoga Hosers? Because I promised you I'd watch it, but then I just didn't feel like it, so I didn't. Uh, sell me on Yoga Hosers. Someone. Anyone. No. I think I, I, think <laughs> I was the first to watch it. Was I? I, I think so. It was on yeah. Netflix. It showed up, and I was like, oh, Kevin Smith. I hear he's terrible now. I haven't seen his last couple of movies. The last Kevin Smith movie I saw was Zack and Miri Make a Porno, which was absolutely appalling. Um, so I hadn't mm-hmm. seen any of his newer stuff, like Tusk or anything, which I believe Yoga Hosers, the characters in that, like start off in a small role. And, yeah, it's so, a uh, Tusk okay, let's, cinematic let's universe. Yeah, let, let's see what Kevin Smith is up to. So, um, yeah, I put on Yoga Hosers, and within, honestly, within five minutes, I was like, this is going to be rough. And as it progressed, it just got worse. Um, I thought Yoga Hosers was going to be the worst film of 2016. It is terrifying that there's one that we all agree is worse. 
Um, but basically, it, it's basically kind of like a racist home movie that Kevin Smith made for his daughter and her best friend, who's Johnny Depp's daughter. And uh, they just it's it's about two Canadian girls who live in who have silly accents because they're from Canada, which is really funny. It's really funny to be from Canada. And uh, they have different products in Canada that they utilize, you know, as part of their lives. They drink different like, you know, drinks and eat different food because it's Canada, which is an alien other world. Uh, yeah, mostly maple syrup and maple syrup. And there's mooses yeah. and things. And that's really funny. And anyway, um, they they hang out in a in like a 7-Eleven kind of store and they're really aimless and silly. And then Nazi sausages attack because there's Nazis in Canada from the World War uh, that they, they came over and they developed into sausages for reasons that I couldn't possibly give a shit about. And uh, <laughs> the film just continues. It's it's supposed to be like, uh, I guess, a, a lighthearted, farcical, kind of whimsical, kick-ass girls movie, but it is just terrible throughout. It's not funny. It's not smart. It's not cute. It's awful, and then like it, it, they just have musical numbers where the girls sing. Uh. I guess they like singing. Uh, like it opens with literally uh, both the girls singing the entirety of Anthrax's "I'm the Man," like the whole fucking song. Ugh. Let's and, make and, this clear: these are not singers. They they no, yeah. sing. They may enjoy singing, but I mean, I, and I'll say like it, yeah, and so Johnny Depp shows up in it. Um, in heavy makeup doing a terrible French accent because that's really hilarious that he would do that. It's so crazy. Yeah, he's got like a mole that moves around his face throughout. Yeah. Um, His his daughter at one point just speaks French for a while, I guess just because it's like a talent she has because she grew up in France. Uh, Like this is a movie that, like I say, it's like a whole movie. It is literally, I cannot fathom who this film is for other than the people who are in it to just show off things that they can do. It's like, this is like a sizzle reel, reel for them. But if they show that to anyone who's like casting for a movie, they'll probably just get violently assaulted. Here's, here's my question for you. Is Yoga Hosers, in reality, just Kevin Smith testing the limits of what his shithead fans will tolerate before they finally abandon him? That's very possible. Yes, I, I, God, I wish I could credit him with that. That would seem like so much better than what it actually probably is. <laughs> Man, remember when he was threatening to retire like a decade ago? It's like, please, fucking, please follow through on this threat, sir. <laughs> God, Jesus. I, it's it, worth noting that the two leads in Yoga Hosers are actually Johnny Depp and Kevin Smith's real, actual live daughters. Yeah, and yeah. Kevin Smith's daughter, his name is Harley Quinn Smith because he's an asshole. And yeah, yeah, also true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Justin Long plays the uh, the the yoga instructor who does silly yoga. That's very silly. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. Spiritual. What does this movie have to do with yoga? By no, the way, it has, they they go and do yoga, and they in do the, the end, yoga to fight the sausage. Nazis. Yeah, their yes. yoga allows them to fight the sausage Nazis, but at Jeez. no point is it clarified why it would why these ingredients would mix. I assume it's just because I guess, have... yeah, they do yoga. That's probably it. That, the, yeah. His daughter does yoga, so let's... Yeah, fucking... that's what I'm thinking. It's like, they like yoga, so let's just do yoga in a movie. And then why, you know, how will we justify that? Well, maybe yoga can fight Nazi sausages. And who who the, knew yes. I would see two movies this year that involved Nazi sausages? Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> And the Nazi, oh. whom I mentioned, mentioned the Nazi sausage, like this really awful, shitty special effects. It looked like it was like we're talking just like a step over Birdemic mm-hmm. uh, special effects, basically. Yeah, um, it really made me appreciate like uh, 
fucking demonic toys or something. <laughs> hey, look for Adam Iris's new piece on Slate.com, uh, 2016 and the rise of the alt-right and Nazi sausages. You can check that out. <laughs> so real, yeah, real good thing piece. Just, it's really painful to sit through. And uh, again, it's one of those movies that, and we'll, we'll go in with the worst of the year. There's a film that outdoes it for a kind of xenophobia and kind of latent racism and so on. But again, this is another film that just seems to... It doesn't really have any jokes. I mean, the only joke is that it's kind of clearly intended to be silly, which isn't a joke. There would have to be jokes then inserted into the film. Um, So it it seems that it can't distinguish between, you know, kind of saying Canadian, like doing a Canadian accent or saying Canadians are silly and different to Americans. Uh, It doesn't understand there have to be jokes on top of that to make that playful. If you don't put jokes in then it's just xenophobic it's just basically portraying canadians as weird outlanders that's the whole thing is and that's the movie it doesn't it at no point is it playful at no point is it satirical it's just basically decided to be to put everyone make them canadian and then they just do these horrible impersonations of what they imagine canadians might be if they were pretending to be canadians <laughs> oh lord it- this is like I, I, if you haven't seen this, you just don't understand how amateur it is. Like, watch it, the it first is... ten minutes. Like it, the first ten minutes, because the movie pretty much doesn't vary in tone ever. So watch the first ten minutes, and then take a fucking hot shower, and just know that we did all the other work for you. That's it's fair. Like, geez, this fucking guy directed Clerks, and this is what he's doing now. It, it looks. It is just shit. Like. A fucking student could cobble together something that looks and feels more like a proper film. This yeah, is fucking garbage. Yeah, you think accidentally he might have at least managed something interesting, and it's just not there. The whole thing is just indulgent and awful. Yeah. Uh, and, and how does this compare to Sausage Party when we're talking about Nazi sausages? Is Sausage Party the superior Nazi sausage film? I'll well, say yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Look, 2016 is kind of a weird year for me, and that Sausage Party, which I saw and thought was really, really bad. I've been looking at my like my top 10 worst films of the year, and Sausage Party came in at 11. Ooh. I've seen 10 <laughs> movies that are worse than Sausage Party. <laughs> that that sounds like another Party. article. <laughs> <laughs> Optimism Vaccines, 10 movies that are worse than Sausage Party. <laughs> Literally the only 10 that are worse. Uh, Jesus, yeah, I... I I haven't gotten around to Sausage Party yet either. And, and that's another one. It's in the Neon Demon camp where I've strangely seen it pop up on, like, best of and worst of. So I, I don't mm-hmm. know what to think. I can't be bothered because it just sounds like, you know, hey, what if hot dogs and buns made uh, pee-pee and vag jokes? Ha-ha. Like, that's it. Yeah, it, see, it feels like all these guys, is, it, they developed out of, like, the post-South Park thing. Like, South Park was one of the first to do, to subvert, Canadian identity where it kind of like created like South Park portrayed Canadians as absolutely weird uh, kind of strange aliens and what they did the reason they did it clearly was partly it was funny because they put in really stupid uh, I guess like completely immature jokes about them Um, but the main reason that South Park did that was because it kind of allowed them to generate to, to comment on America and American perspectives and it was this idea that by blowing Canadians out into this like completely weird alien culture, even though Canada and the US actually share a huge amount of cultural currency. There's like you're not going to be lost if you go to one country from the other. No. Uh, that it that it becomes this idea that you know in the South Park movie, which really was kind of I think the the genesis for these later films, it kind of combined the idea that local politics through misguided xenophobic 
political activism could turn into a war on Canada, that they would just blame Canada for being different, that they would become the scapegoats for clearly failings and kind of on the American side of the border. And then uh, South Park, the movie, also subverted Disney, obviously with like the devil's big rousing number about wanting to be up there with everyone. It was kind of like, you know, a Beauty and the Beast-esque kind of aspirational song, but it was Satan himself singing it, a gay Saddam Hussein fucking Satan. Um, and Sausage Party feels like it's the same thing. It's subverting Disney with the idea that all the singing uh, food uh, is you know it's it's sentient. All the food is alive, but it turn and they they all want to go out of the supermarket. Uh, they want to get bought and brought to the Great Beyond, which is like heaven as far as they're aware. But then of course it turns out that what's actually happening is humans bring it home and cook it and eat it. So it's like this horrible holocaust of of food items. So it's subverting that Disney concept of you know uh, non alive things being alive and talking. Sure, but like conceptually, um, that seems like really one note. Like that's the joke. Well, yeah, that, that's <laughs> the know? thing. It doesn't. It doesn't add anything to that. It's uh, for the critics who seem to laud Sausage Party, and I don't understand it. It's like South Park did this ten years ago, mm-hmm, even longer. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't understand why Sausage Party because after that, once Sausage Party clarifies that, it's its one like. That's its main thing. It's just like, wouldn't it be funny if, like, a Disney movie is actually, when things are alive, it's actually terrible that they're alive and we're all horrible because we murder them? Mm-hmm. After that, it is literally just a bunch of, like, shitty dick jokes. Just like, oh, this food looks like a vagina. Let's, you know, talk about that for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, wouldn't it be funny if, if a lesbian taco existed who has a Spanish <laughs> accent, obviously, because it's a taco? That's the whole film over yeah. and over again. Yeah, it's got like these musical numbers that are just fucking awful, and it, the whole thing's just very abrasive. It's uh, mm-hmm. I, I I don't see how someone's gonna laud a movie where whether it's a character named Piss Slits Chips. That's not fucking clever. It's just <laughs> disgusting. The, the only good thing I'd say about Sausage Party is it was uh, it gave Nick Kroll the role he was born to play. What's that? It, it definitely did. As douche. <laughs> a literal douche. He's a douchebag, but he's actually a literal douche. And again, that clarifies the level of persistent humor that creates uh-huh. throughout Sausage Party. Though, but to be fair, at least Sausage Party, these are jokes. They're terrible jokes, but it does <laughs> but manifest it, it, jokes, jokes throughout, which is more than the other films, like more than Yoga Posers manages. Like Yoga sure. Posers doesn't have jokes. All right. Before we get to the granddaddy of them all, real quick, uh, I want to talk about another movie that uh, Jake actually saw in the theater and none of us could. Uh, So we pirated it illegally because who wants to give these horrible people money? And I think this one wins the award for uh, Why Does This Exist 2016. Jake, why the fuck does Nine Lives exist? (laughs) Well, I don't know. But... uh yeah, I don't know. Um, why does it exist? That's a great question. Uh, I guess to bank off of the success of uh, House of the Cards, political, the House of Cards, <laughs> by putting Kevin Spacey as the lead role in films again, and yeah, also again, again for this podcast, I, I suggested earlier, what is Kevin Spacey buying with this money? Well, here's the thing. Not only what is he buying, but why is Barry Sonnenfeld, himself an accomplished director, doing anywhere near a turkey like this? Mm-hmm. The, the whole cast is insane. It's just yeah, it's, Jennifer it's a, Garner. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that really what Jennifer Garner does these days? Though you, I felt you could bad argue. Yeah, I actually felt bad for her. And and if we discuss, I'm actually I thought Nine Lives 
actually wasn't that bad, but I did. Oh feel Jesus, bad for Jennifer Garner, yeah. Jack Easton, his her. favorite, his favorite movie is Look Who's Talking too. <laughs> well, this is Look Who's Talking Meow. That's basically the film. <laughs> I, I will say I preferred this to Jennifer Garner's other like recent family film, The Odd Life of Timothy Green. This is what the hell is much that? less offensive. Well, did you watch that with your mom? That sounds like a mom movie. Yeah. No, I saw it. It was uh, it was on an airplane. I it was one of those uh, great great flights where you can't choose what movie you're watching. It's just odd every screen. It's not a flight to hell. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it. She has like a plant. Uh, a plant sun for some reason and the what, whole like, thing is just very like stilted like, and, like little shop of horrors or what do you mean plant no it, it's just a kid it's a boy and he's like a plant or some shit yeah, it doesn't make any fucking sense that. i remember yeah, seeing the trailers for that was that actually like what is it a christian movie because it looked like a christian movie no i think it's a disney movie actually really shit. okay that's weird she is in another Christian movie, I think, that came out last year. It's about a girl who yeah. had a brain tumor, and then she fell out of a tree and was cured. And they they blamed it on God. <laughs> they blamed it on God. They blamed her recovery. Oh, right. God. Sorry. Christian movies have, have gone covert. <laughs> Thank you, God, for knocking this girl out of a tree and saving her life from the tumor yeah. you also put in her head. Jake, yes. are you, are you going to be in line next week for the resurrection of Gavin Stone? What does that mean? Oh, you don't what? you don't know about that? Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a new movie that's coming out, and I, I think it's a Christian movie, and it stars uh, Shawn Michaels, former professional wrestler, who became famous by telling people to suck his dick on television. Is this produced by the WWE? No, it's not. Uh, it's it's like a real movie with real trailers that I've seen on real television. It's very wow, strange. The only, the only WWE produced movie I think I've seen is the Leprechaun Origins. Hey, film. you saw Oculus? That's produced by yeah, WWE. Oculus is WWE. Oh, that's, oh I'd uh, forgotten that. What okay. about well, See that's... No Evil and See No Evil 2, starring Kane? Somehow missed those. Mm. Yeah, I missed what those What about too. that uh, movie with Halle Berry as the 911 operator? Oh, yeah, that's, that's a WWE. Oh, and the, and the, don't the you call. forget the Lucha Libre uh, slasher WrestleManiac. <laughs> That's a movie. Stars Rey Mysterio. Okay, let's get into the real creme de la creme, the the crown jewel of shit town. The Wait, worst are we movie done in twenty sixteen. What is there to yeah. say about Nine Lives? It is. Uh, I wasn't the only one who saw it. Yeah. This this is yeah. this is what this is what you need to know about Nine Lives. Kevin Spacey got a paycheck to spend three fourths of the movie laying in a bed in a coma. Well, you, you know, know that's what he did in the last season of House of Cards, too. Oh! <laughs> hey! <laughs> Look out. To be fair. Okay. Uh, it wasn't even a joke. That's actually what happens in the last <laughs> season of House of Cards. A defense of Nine Lives, because I saw it, and honestly, I wasn't completely bored by it, and it didn't offend me particularly. I just feel that there's a certain... It, it reminded me, like, you know Garfield, the comic strip that Jim Davis does that sucks? Never heard of it. Yeah, okay, it's vaguely popular. You may have seen it on cereal boxes and every other product tie-in possible. Um, so Garfield without Garfield came from that, and that just seemed to be it's really good. Like Jim Davis's comic strip gets way better when you remove Garfield, because then it's just a crazy guy walking around talking to himself, and that's way funnier, and that's actually almost legitimate comic strip. Nine Lives is like the movie version of that, but it's the cat's still there, 
but it's just footage of a cat, often a CG cat, just wandering around doing stupid shit that doesn't matter. And then it's just Kevin Spacey's voice with a dis- faint echo on it, like they didn't even care to record it properly. Like, it's just like him in an empty room, just talking over it. And it's like the weirdest nature documentary I've ever seen. <laughs> it's, just like, it's just like Kevin Spacey having a slight existential crisis while there's footage of a CGI cat trying to open a bottle of sherry. <laughs> and that's to me is vaguely entertaining as as a film. That's not something I've seen before, that's and that's got to stand for something. Quite a spirited defense. Uh, you, you know what? You know what else you only need to know about Nine Lives is that it was distributed by a company called EuropaCore One, mm-hmm. and that it was the highest grossing movie that EuropaCore put out this year. <laughs> and can you guess what number three was? Was it shot in? Yes. <laughs> what was number two? They're responsible for two of the films in this podcast. And that's Luc Besson, this company, I believe. And it, it, it literally it lost money on like everything that it distributed last year. What, well, yeah, I can see why. What, what, it, what was the number two for them? What okay, was so it goes Nine Lives, which made two-thirds of its $30 million budget back. Okay, garbage. Transporter, Transporter refueled, um, shut in, Miss Sloan... And what? big game. I don't know what this what? big game is, what but is it Miss only made Sloan? thousands of dollars. What is big game? And even even the transporter. Like if you were to say, "Hey, Steve, oh, wait, wait, did a wait, transporter wait. sequel come out in 2016?" I'm like, "No, that definitely didn't happen." Uh, like yeah, Jason okay, Statham but... probably didn't show up for it. And that's probably a sign. Please, yeah. Scott Adkins in it because he's like next in line. I think. Guess who <laughs> was in this big game movie? Oh, Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, of course. What about the yoga They were probably hosers? filming near somewhere else he was working, and he was like, fuck it, I could, you know, it's taxi fare, I can earn that back. Exactly. Another man very happy to cash his paychecks. Oh, uh, God. I, I'm kind of with Jack. I don't think Nine Lives really belongs here. It, it feels, it's, <laughs> the main thing for me is just that it's, it's like out it's of time. Silly. Like it feels like a movie that existed 20 years ago it's, it's a sort of movie well, i saw plenty of growing up but it, it yeah. doesn't really exist anymore here's here's yeah, what it reminds think, me like, of speaking of movies that don't like really fit the you know marquee for a uh cinema s- viewing I, I nine lives is straight vod uh material to me like right. it might have been in the theater in in 1995. You know, you're seeing Beethoven's fucking second or something. I'm sure that's just as shitty as Nine Lives. Yeah, yeah. I, I I watched uh, Beethoven's second in the theater uh, while a bunch of teens made Last out week. in the row behind me. <laughs> <laughs> it's really burning your brain, uh, Sean. A lot of life What's lessons that? there. Yeah, I I was like, well, at least I have nine lives. Uh, yeah. Segway. I don't. I don't understand, like, what... I will admit, Nine Lives, I don't think children would like it, and obviously most adults don't like it, so I don't understand who they made it for. Yeah, I'm not quite sure myself. The film is this oddly fatalist... I mean, it's a children's movie that has, okay, a cat doing some silly things, but otherwise it's about a family whose father's life hangs in the balance and he's in an ICU for the whole film. And at the end, they learn a life lesson by fucking base jumping off a, a... tower like it, it doesn't make sense in any way shape or form as a movie that children would like christopher walken i guess is is comically kind of in it but at the same time i imagine he scares children more than anything else yeah he's got some so like I, fucking mr Magorium wonder emporium look going it's does. It does. <laughs> he's what mr perkins he he loves cats and he sell he does cat whispering and that's Jesus. part of the movie 
Um, which again, what is Christopher Walken buying? Mm. What what did he need? <laughs> so this I think is he just if he probably just enjoys the work, honestly. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. I, uh, yeah, I don't understand who the film is for. I thought it was okay, but that's kind of because I watch a lot of shitty movies. This movie was weirdly shitty. and It's kind of like Lucy, which is also a Europa core movie. That I really enjoyed Lucy because that film is fucking mental. It just doesn't make any sense at all. It looks like they had half a script and they didn't even get that half down. Um, but they still put it in cinemas. Nine Lives is like a toned down version of that. It's a film that I don't know who it's for or why they made it or where the idea even came from. But here it is. Do you guys remember in the late 80s and early 90s when Full Moon branched off and started producing direct-to-video children's films like Dinosauria about like these little tiny dinosaurs that these kids had? Uh, I never knew that was a full moon movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's I, I can't remember the name of their, their offshoot production company, but it, Richard Band, Charles Band, all those guys are, were involved in these things. And they're dog shit kids movies, just kind of like they're, you know, they're dog shit horror movies. And that's what Nine Lives remind me of. It, it, it felt like a lost, like, whatever fucking Charles Band film. <laughs> that sounds strange. fair. Were they shot in Romania as well? Probably. <laughs> Fortunately, it did not have a Richard Band score. Oh, that's too bad. I love Richard Band. <laughs> uh, oh, f- f- fun fact. Anytime I illegally pirate audio software, I register it as Richard Band. So I hope he's gotten <laughs> cease and desist letters. <laughs> Okay, uh, last thing we got to talk about, we have to talk about the movie of 2016 that no one should ever see ever. It is far and away, head and shoulders above everything else when it comes to dog shit. Uh, It's somehow Sean's favorite movie. He's watched it twice. Twice. Mm -hmm. And, I I mean, I I don't know what to make of that, Jake, but also I got a Snapchat of Sean earlier today, and he was definitely wearing some dirty grandpa pants. So I'm starting to wonder, Sean... Are you just have you like fully bought into the dirty grandpa cinematic universe? Are you yourself a dirty grandpa? And did you jump out of this podcast briefly to take a number three? <laughs> uh, what are dirty grandpa pants, by the way? Are they covered in semen or blood? No, they, they were like <laughs> no, uh, uh, yeah, they, they were actually they were covered in blood and semen and they, they look like uh like USA basketball pants from the ninety two dream team. Yeah, those the that's that's true, but the blood and the um, semen part too? It, no, <laughs> uh, but it's funny that you ask that because um, when I was uh, in high school and I, I went to visit my my brother in college, um, we hung out at one of his friends' house one night and he was watching. He was like, "Oh, have you guys seen the Big Lebowski?" And we we're like, "No," and so we watched it. And obviously, like you know, it was great, whatever. But um, then I saw him like a month later. And he looked like the dude. He was like, yeah, don't ever buy the Big Lebowski. I can't stop watching it. And he was like wearing the sweatpants and cardigan. And he was like morphing into the dude uh, via osmosis by watching the movie. But no, that is not my experience with uh, Dirty Grandpa. Um, No, I – you know, we we all watched it like what, like a week or so ago. And we're just sort of like – agape at at how terrible it is like this like a lot of the movies that we've talked about have been like um the the case has been like that they're like ludicrous in concept or they're entirely boring or amateurish and dirty grandpa transcends all of that by just being like the meanest um the meanest movie uh and 
so I, I I put it on for a second time uh, to watch with my girlfriend because I was, I was I was just like you got to like see this thing because you hate spectacle. women as much as the director of Dirty Grandpa. <laughs> I was like you. Gotta, I was like you got to see this spectacle, and then it quickly turned from like what I I, I was like oh this will be funny like to see a reaction into like being like oh yeah this is terrible like I mean <laughs> this is like awful it's an awful thing that exists and it's not like a fun thing to like put on. What did Sophie think of it? Uh, she thought it was great. Absolutely. Like, she vomited. (laughs) yeah, she, she was sort of, uh, you know, similar to us, just like taken aback at like how much it hates anyone that isn't a white dude. Um, yeah, this is is basically a bully. Like this is the movie equivalent of an actual bully, which is really impressive. I don't know if I've seen a movie like that anytime recently. Yeah, that's what I, I don't think any of us uh, expected that. Like when um, I put it on before, like I know we had kind of talked about it, and and I, I like saw it on some lists. So I was like, oh, let's watch Dirty Grandpa. And I started watching it, and I, you know, it opens with this Matt and Kim song over this really bad photoshopping, and I was like, oh, I could just imagine how much Steve Cuff is just gonna hate this from the opening. <laughs> and then it takes about five minutes before you see um, Robert De Niro masturbating and and you know as he calls it uh, taking a number three, um, and then it just sort of like just steadily declines from like bad gross out humor to hatred towards um anyone who, who's a minority or yeah. uh who's who's not um straight and yeah it's it's really it's, um, it's interesting it's that yeah the the best thing about this movie is it opens with Robert De Niro masturbating like that's the high point that's where we start. Well, yeah, I remember being like, oh, like as soon as I saw Robert De Niro, I was like, oh god, he's got this stupid hip haircut. This is just going to be a stupid like corporate comedy and it it's it's just like I it took me like 2 minutes to forget like about how much I hated his haircut because I was yeah. just distracted by all this other terrible stuff. Okay, well, listen, it, it, b- before we get into more of the the nitty-gritty details, let me let me float something by you here, okay? Just just spitballing. Uh, obviously, we saw we saw the growth of the alt right in 2016. I really feel like Optimism Vaccine in 2017 needs to capitalize on this hip, cool demographic. So, I'm thinking Shotgun Wedding. You ready? Dirty Grandpa, Bad Grandpa, Triumph of the Will. What do you think? You in? You in? <laughs> Sounds good. At least at least one of those is well shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Jackass guys—they're not bad with a camera. I. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, um, we we had kind of discussed off air about how this movie does sort of like um, it. It's it's interesting to tie it in with sort of like the current uh, culture, uh, like discourse about PC culture, um, because it's sort of like it's sort of like uh, playing chicken with like uh, any sort of liberal art, like, audience or or any sort of like audience that isn't like a ultra conservative. Um, uh, yeah, personally, yeah, it, it, it feels yeah, it feels like one of those films that's like, like they have this idea that they're pissing off the PC crowd. It's like we're gonna say what we want to say because you know we're gonna piss off the PC crowd. But all they're actually saying is literally just racist and sexist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's like, not, this is what you want to say. That there's something fucking wrong with you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. so, and again, there's there's no jokes. Particularly, it's literally being African American or being gay. Is a joke. 
or a woman <laughs> or a woman that's and that's literally it there's one scene where where there's an african-american gay character who walks up to robert de niro's dirty grandpa character i can't i don't even remember how it starts but basically he like de niro pretty much just says you're gay and the other character responds with yeah i'm black too did you happen to notice he's like yeah i did notice that's funny too it's like neither of those yeah. things are funny, <laughs> but that's the script to this movie. Yeah, that's I mean, that's yeah. basically it. Most of the jokes are ha ha, you're black. Ha ha, you're gay. And and I'm not even simplifying it. Like that's like you said, that's what it is. Or it's like De Niro, not so subtly, like just kind of riffing on the fact that he's black. Like there's this one part where he walks up to a black guy and oh he's like, hey, you want oh. a drink? And he's like, yeah, you got some of that purple drink? Like, just saying that. Like, he, see, I'm black. Ha ha, you're black. It's funny. And this is the explicit stuff. Like, they're, they're, like this is deeply embedded in this movie to the mm. point where, like, uh, the porn that he's watching um, or, like, the cross-stitch that it, that it has freaking Don, Dan, whatever, Glover, Donald Glover. Is that who it is? Donald Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Donald Glover. <laughs> Um, how can I confuse those two traditional D names that end in Glover? <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Murtaugh, uh, cross stitching, like it's it's like these 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 pictures of like black men dominating a, a white woman sexually. It, it's just like this weird infatuation, like deeply embedded infatuation with racism. And, and don't yeah, forget I, too that Robert De Niro is is set up eventually, like. Most of the movie, I'd say three fourths of the movie, you're, you're like, okay, well, he's just really racist and sexist, and that's that's his thing. And then three fourths of the way through, suddenly, plot <laughs> twist: he's actually a former Secret Service agent or something, and he he sticks up for the gay guy. Yeah, he sticks up for the gay yeah, black also, guy. He's so the he's best the hero, fucking guy, and everyone fucking loves him. He's, yeah, he's, he's awesome. just king of the world. Yeah, so he's basically he's, being a pile of irredeemable garbage for this entire movie, and then, but everybody in the movie is just like, oh my god. Uh, dirty grandpa is so cool and dirty. Can't wait to yeah, suck li- his dick. Oh my god, yeah, I just like- want to get down on those dirty grandpa <laughs> balls. Like, literally, there, there's a scene in the movie where they validate, like, after all the racism and so, so on, it's kind of like they, they turn around, he becomes a friend to the African Americans because they allow him to use the N word. Mm-hmm. Oh. Right. Yeah. That's, just, that yeah. Is that's how you know. Which, which turn, that's the turnkey scene for the, for the gay black man to want that's- to have sex with him, mm-hmm. um, which is a very strange thing. Um, yeah, it's, but, it's very weird. Uh, one of the characters that I think is interesting uh, in the film is to go over the storyline really briefly. It's I guess Zac Efron's a boring guy in a law job, and he's really boring because law is boring. And he's got this bitch girlfriend who's a bitch because she wants him to participate in his own wedding. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which like what a what a drag. Also, like, she's a, she's <laughs> Jewish, which the movie does she, not seem happy with that at all. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Seriously, De Niro says kinder things about Jewish people in Goodfellas in this movie. <laughs> but um, yeah, and that's the thing. She's she's Jewish, and she's like a white uh, kind of like she she's domineering. But I mean, she's domineering because Zac Efron's a fucking idiot in the movie. Like he's not in any way like likable or interesting as a person. And like literally, the, the, it starts off that she just wants him to participate in the planning of his own wedding. He, they're engaged. He must have, you know, like, he has to have played a role in that. She didn't engage him, mm-hmm. but like, she—that's her. She's a bitch because she wants him to do stuff. And throughout the film, it just slowly becomes more and more that they don't really know why she's a bitch, so they just start going, "She's Jewish," and yeah. that's kind of like this bait <laughs> switch in the movie. Mm-hmm. And and literally, and then at the end of the movie, just kind of because I think they maybe realize, like, shit, maybe her being Jewish isn't enough to make her the bad guy in the movie. Okay, she better like have fucked his best friend too. 
or not his best friend, his cousin, his cousin has yeah. literally a bestiality like animal wanker. That's what he yeah, does. Why? It doesn't, this doesn't even make sense in the world of the film. It's just yeah, like I mean, this uptight, she's a, prissy woman who, who is, he just needs everything it, her certain way. Movie, why is she going to have sex with this fucking monstrous, like dreadlocked imbecile? It doesn't even. This movie is the is, This movie is the amalgam of Wedding Crashers and The Hangover. It just like employs all of those things for the structure, like the the narrative arcs and and like what it's contingent upon, like back at home and and all this stuff, or like marriage, like all of that stuff is the same exact thing, like copy and pasted from those two movies. Sure, I just want to like highlight beyond how monstrous this movie is, and rest assured, it is monstrous. It is, it is just. Yeah, let's get, let's the get script. past that part. Yeah, but but just like how fucking poorly structured it is, it, like they can't even do something simple. Like, oh, we're gonna make this old man shockingly raunchy, and boy, this is gonna really throw you for a loop. Isn't the first thing you want to do? Perhaps we it's don't like want to open on this funeral. Like, let's set him up as a fucking normal grandpa. Let's set him up as this guy who's a, a fucking nice old man, and then when his wife dies. You fucking drop the other shoe when he turns into Lude McLuderson. Instead, Dirty he's boy. just like he just the introduction to him is basically for some reason he's fucking like blasting a porno and jerking his dick right in front of his grandson. Yeah, it's, it, it's not like whoops, you walked in. I mean, it's like hey, yeah. buddy, I'm, let me just finish fucking jerking off. And again, uh, it seems like this weird. It seems like this weird thing that again that the relationship between men and women is considered to be wholly antagonistic in the movie, and <laughs> like it's 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 basically like the fifty sitcom staple of like men are dumb but want to have fun, and women are uptight and they stop men from having fun. But you know you can't have a can't get laid without women, so you know that's so we have to hang out with them, and that's basically the whole that's the the mindset of the film. But yeah, it's it's like they try and make De Niro's character more likable by saying that he really did love his wife, his late wife, and they had like 50 years of great marriage. But then she, like, on her deathbed told him, you know, you should just do, you know, have fun. Now, you know, when I die, don't be sad. Have fun. So he took that just as an excuse to become an infantile frat bro asshole, mm-hmm. and that's cool. Who, like, like well, how am I supposed to like grandson? this? Son? Yeah, he just walks around jamming things up Zac Efron's ass and just screaming, <laughs> I want to fuck. That's not a fucking character <laughs> yeah. that anyone could possibly. And again, like. this is not hyperbole coming from Myros. Like literally, he, he, I, I say on five no. separate occasions, he gooses that front of the butt. Yeah. He says, oh, "What a fuck!" No, he says, "I want to fuck, fuck, fuck." Oh, after fuck, he calls, his, after he tells uh, people in public that his grandson is a retard. <laughs> yeah, a sexually yeah. predatory retard, and goes on about cock blocking for about thirty fucking minutes. Yeah. And uh, I think his whole thing, it turns out, because he, he insists that Zac Efron's character drive him. He, I don't even remember where he has to go, but he they basically forces Zac Efron's character to drive him when he didn't want to. And it turns out that he planned this whole ruse and diverted it through spring break or whatever because he specifically wanted to break up Zac Efron's marriage to his fiance, who, again, as mentioned before, was never really clar- clarified why she's such a bad person. Uh, Jewish. There's there. also, like, yeah, besides the narrative, like, be, be, besides the narrative being, like, the thinnest thing possible and, like, uh, why they're, why, like, the questionable uh, reasoning behind what they're doing, like, in terms of, like, believability, like, the dialogue is the most stilted thing. Like, Aubrey Plaza is giving the worst oh, lines and the worst delivery for, like, wanting to have sex with this prof- Like, it's just, like, it's yeah, embarrassing. It, it, yeah, Everyone should Plaza's- be embarrassed. 
Aubrey Plaza is a horrible time because she starts off and she's she's looking for the Trinity or whatever, which is like I, she needs. And she to have wrote sex about. It. She made it up. Yeah, and she wants to have sex with a professor. That's apparently like before she leaves college. And Aubrey Plaza's in her early thirties, just to know, but whatever. <laughs> so she she wants to before she leaves college, she wants to have sex with a professor. That's apparently something she wants to do to validate herself. Okay, fine. Um, but then it just turns into her basically just chasing De Niro for the whole film, just wanting to have sex with him because De Niro is so incredibly desirable for reasons yeah, never established. And we, Aubrey Plaza, just that's all she does for the whole film is basically walk up to Robert De Niro and say, I'm going to fuck you. And then De Niro says, yeah. And then they never do for the until like right at the end of the movie. Spoiler. That's like, the there's clean no reason, version. Yeah, there's no reason why they couldn't have done that. Like, if they're both so fucking crazy, maybe they could have just gotten that out of the way in the right. first 15 minutes. Yeah, I, I think I think up. the reveal is like she just likes to fuck grandpas, right? Like that's that's I know, what's like, but, but yeah, when they set it up, it's like I want to fuck a professor. It's like you know, most professors aren't 85 years old. That's, yeah, that's I mean, not what, really the way. She, she the can world. only fuck a tenured professor. She <laughs> can't fuck an adjunct. <laughs> tenure turns her on. <laughs> oh, I just love I mean, stability, who, who doesn't it? Turn on, but, <laughs> I know, right? I got uh, direction just thinking about it. Uh just like every time they try to make these canned, like heartfelt things, he's like, "I really loved your grandma. We had anal sex every five years." It's like, what? What the fuck is this? Like supposed to be subversive? It's just, it's just yeah. so flat and stilted, it, and I don't know what they were attempting to do, and it just fails well, sure. on every goddamn level. And guys, yeah. if, I mean, if, if you want to talk about collecting a paycheck, obviously uh, Jason Manzukis and Aubrey Plaza are slumming it in this one. Uh, De Niro, you, you could make the uh, argument, oh, he's just collecting a paycheck, except I think all he's done for the past 20 years is collecting a paycheck. The last I, Robert yeah, De Niro movie I gave a shit about was probably Jackie Brown. So, <laughs> I ha- But, but I, have a, I have another question about Robert De Niro's position here. Yes, he's like collecting a paycheck, whatever. Um, but like, so he just wrote like this open letter to Donald Trump. Right. As like, uh, I don't know, a bastion of liberalism. Um but is he not culpable in this film? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he question, agreed to it. <laughs> the, the question I feel, and I think Jake originally said, Jake's original suspicion when watching this film was that they didn't have a script. And I think he's probably right. I think most of this is improvisation and just nothing came of it. And they just had he, he thought there was going to be like retribution I, at the end of yeah, the so, script? So I, I don't know. I just feel like maybe... Uh, they gave him the basic outline, which is a Randy grandpa goes on a road trip with his son, and he just kind of went, sure, okay, these are, you know, there's people here that could be funny, Aubrey Plaza can be funny, you know, this, uh, it could, could be a, a thing, so he signed on, and then it just turned into improvisation, and it's just yeah. garbage, and I, like, I'm, that's my only, that's my only idea that could possibly redeem De Niro's <laughs> role in this. See, I, I kind of want to see this script that was on the blacklist, because I feel the exact opposite. To all, all of this felt super scripted to me. It didn't feel like yeah. off-the-cuff humor. I think you can tell when it's been punched up. Uh, I think there's like a handful of spots, and Sophie and I were talking about this while we were watching today, where there's like, at times, there starts to be like a decent joke, and then it, and then like it just like get, the coda is like just this terrible racism, or it's just not funny. Like you can tell, uh, it seems to me very transparent in a lot of places where they just gave it to comedy writers, you know, like they had 13 people in a room and Patton Oswalt and uh, Aziz Ansari were like punching up this script or whatever, um, or whoever their predecessors are. But, um, and then I mean, I feel like they would have had to have something to go off of because there are just a certain, some, some, a few instances where it's not just improvisation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, 
it seems like there has to be some sort of like work that went into this. Sure, there sure. are. Yeah, I, I think there probably there probably was. I just think things like Jason Matsukas. I hope to Christ no one wrote down any of his stuff. <laughs> like I'm, I hope they just like no. Yeah, drug, they gave him. You're a drug yeah. vaping moron. Yeah, and, and also everyone vapes drugs in this movie. It's like this is a thing they thought. <laughs> I don't of, even think you could actually just... vape drugs. I don't. I... <laughs> <laughs> this was actually written by a, a horny seventy-year-old man. That's that's the that's the thing. Uh, here. All right. Well, I, I got one more uh, structure issue that really <laughs> okay. stuck in my Just, craw. Here. This is the one that pushed it over the edge. Go ahead. <laughs> well, they all come over the. But you know these movies. They of course in your wedding crashes. There's always like the moment where the straight man has had enough of these shenanigans, and in this instance, it is uh, nonsense. Like. Uh, Efron has fallen in love with this other yeah, let's former talk about college this, this romance. Sure, sure. But but let me finish my quibble, then we can move on to the actual plot point. But here <laughs> here it is that Efron has decided he, he's had enough of his grandpa because he finds his driver's license and uh, and De Niro had told him that he had lost his driver's license due to eyesight. <laughs> and after all these shenanigans where Efron has been arrested multiple times and uh, done harassed. crack cocaine and uh, endlessly harassed by this man, for some reason, what puts him over the edge is this driver's license. And then and presumably put on the sex offenders list. Yes, yes. And then, and then in the very next scene where they, they kind of make up, uh, they make up because at his wedding, De Niro hacks into uh, a video feed. And I, I don't know, he puts up a bunch of like sexually explicit pictures and destroys his wedding. And then Efron says, oh, I forgive you. You're a great guy. Let's fucking go save the day. It's like what you're you you've just cut off contact with this man because he lied about having a driver's license, and then you all is well because he he sabotaged your wedding by playing sexually explicit and photos. And he gave him a yeah. camera. You know, he learned yeah, to respect they, him once uh, he put a flugelhorn in his butt they, they and took a photo. The, when, when, he interrupt, when he interrupts the wedding, that then that's when his when Zac Efron's bitch fiance admits that she had an affair, which is literally their only shortcut for like, no, really, you're supposed to dislike her. And that, and yeah, that's, and then he realizes, you know what, Grandpa, you had my back all along. Because even though you probably didn't know that, it turns out she is awful. <laughs> and that's like their shortcut to get where they need to go. <laughs> All right, boys. It's listen, such a just wait, wait, such wait, wait, wait. A fucking. We, we need to hold on. Pump the brakes. We got to wrap this up soon. I got to catch one, La La one Land thing. in like twenty I got one minutes. Thing. <laughs> oh right. shoot, you do. Okay, one thing uh, that this is also the uh, typical like corporate guy sell corporate sellout guy meets this woman who's like interested in advocacy, and so that turns into she's a Ken Kesey like hippie and. <laughs> The movie's idea of what anyone who cares about sustainability turns into like the worst stereotype possible to the fact to the point where they're like the riding defense. on a bus that has like peace signs and flowers on it. In in the film's defense, they clearly did as little research into lawyering for Zac Efron's character. They clearly did just as little in uh, like uh, research into environmental activism or photography. The the female leads interests. So oh yeah, the, whole thing the photography thing is wonderful. Yeah, they, they definitely they definitely googled like 
photography and activism and then just clicked on the first link they saw. So I'll give them that. And we all know that uh, the the bastion for photography in the world is Time Magazine. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was real good. All right. Well, I know I would have gone with Nat Geo personally, but what do I know? Yeah, that, that would be a thing. Uh, Jake – yeah, I, I, I need I need to get your bad. I feel like you're just absorbing a lot of bad grandpa, and I want you to expel some bad grandpa on me. Let me let me let me just for our audience. Let me paint you a picture of a scene from this is a typical scene of bad grandpa. Uh, after a night of uh, smoking crack through a vape pen and getting drunk, Zach Efron wakes up naked on a beach, and he gets a FaceTime phone call from his fiance. And her family's there, and they want to introduce him to the priest or the the rabbi that's going to do the wedding. And he's got a swastika on his forehead. Of and dicks. He, made of you know, dicks. Yes. Made of dicks, correct. And then he's also not wearing any clothes except for a thong, which has a stuffed animal of a bee on it. And then a little boy runs up to him and starts trying to yank off the bee. And the little boy's father sees him doing that. And from a distance, it looks like the little boy is blowing Zach Efron behind some trash cans on a beach. And that's basically Dirty Grandpa. I'd and say so. I stand by what I said, how it doesn't have a script, because I think it has an outline that's about a couple pages long, and then it has, you know, we need to get through this scene, but I cannot fathom that anybody wrote down any of this dialogue on a page. I what just age looked was up that kid? I, I just get the feel, because I just, I remember that scene. It's like, why would a child, the child is too old to give a shit about a stuffed bee, let alone one that's hovering <laughs> around a man's crotch to, yeah, yeah. to like Damn make it. this scene work. It's like they've got this kid who's like seven or eight years old who's suddenly infatuated with a, a stuffed bee and runs yeah. in there and starts grabbing onto it from a strange naked man who just woke up on the beach. It's like this it won't happen at all. There's nothing. They, it's just. It's not even plausible within a raunchy comedy, let alone anywhere else. It's horrible. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hunt down. I'm hunting down this fucking script. I. I have the the hunch that there is some goddamn monster out there who meticulously wrote every line in this fucking thing. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. Now we're wrapping this one up. The screenwriter's a guy whose only other work is college humor. That should tell you everything you need oh, to know. Oh boy, yeah, that's good. Well, also De Niro like slaps his dick on Efron's head at some point. So if you ever wanted to see, all right, probably oh, yeah. not Robert De Niro's right. dick. Yeah, if you want to see like a really well made like prosthetic penis. All right, no, I think it's a real penis. It's just not Robert De Niro. Stunt penis. penis? Yep. How do you get that job? A much much younger, more virile penis. (laughs) Virile penises. All right. Well, guys, I'm glad. I'm glad we got to talk about all the dirty boys of 2016. That was that was a lot of fun. Uh, If if you are interested in more. Wait, wait, wait. We got to put over stuff. This is an OV. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, What are you you putting over on the garbage cast? (laughs) I'm putting over the bye bye man. No, I'm not doing that. Uh, (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me? Bye bye land. Bye bye land is what you're going to say because we're going to make you miss your showing. Yeah, I'm going to put over uh, taking a fucking hammer to Sean's skull because I need to go see a movie. (laughs) Uh, Sean, what are you putting over this week? Um, I, last week I watched uh, my first uh, Kiaro Stami movie. The famed Indian director passed away last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Indian, sorry. Oh my god! Uh, what did you sorry. did you fucking ghostwrite, Dirty Grandpa? You pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's all about the conflict. No, um, uh, no, I watched a, a certified copy by uh, Kiaro Stami, the Indian. Uh, or, <laughs> 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 uh, God just calls a big chief Kiarostami. 
Uh, anyway, okay. I watched uh, this this movie <laughs> called Certified Copy by an unknown uh, director um, <laughs> that has Juliette Binoche in it. Um, but it's a lovely, lovely movie. It's also not um, exactly. Um, it's 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 also a bit difficult to to parse, but. Um, it's basically kind of like uh, a before sunrise or one of those movies, but if it was by like um, like fifty five year old uh, intellectuals, and it's it's a lot diff- more difficult than those movies. But it's it's also very pleasant and provocative, and and I, I fully endorse uh, certified copy. All right, uh, Myros, how about you? What are you putting over? Cuff, uh, I'll put over La La Land. You're going to enjoy it. I better. It's, it's yeah, if I get film. to see it, you fuckers. Jack, what are you putting over? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just, because I have nothing planned, I'm just going to put over a movie called Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. Not because it's particularly <laughs> good, but because Aubrey Plaza, it just she's nowhere near as bad in that movie. And it's if you feel like you want to watch Dirty Grandpa, just watch Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. Uh, instead because it's still a frat bro white guy movie that's full of like sex jokes but it's nowhere near as offensive or terrible so just save yourself the trouble watch that instead all right fair enough uh jake how about you what are you putting over i'm gonna put over dario argento's phenomena which i watched on amazon prime last night and it was one of his films i had not seen previously and i think uh not his best film, but still really damn good, and probably features the best ending in his career. The best Deus Ex Machina in cinema history. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, fair what enough. Uh, that film makes a lot of sense. I'm putting over the <laughs> I'm putting over the Stabilizer. Uh, it's a free movie that is streaming on Amazon Prime. If you got Amazon Prime, uh, it is a colossal pile of shit in the best way humanly possible. Uh, listen, all you need to know is it looks like it was made in Indonesia for $5, and the name of the villain is Greg Rainmaker, and he wears white suits, and he has boots with spikes on him, and he stomps people to death. That's all you need to know. Classic. Classic film. So watch The Stabilizer. Also, go to Twitter.com, follow us at Optimism Vaccine, or you can follow me at Steve Cuff. Did we just lose someone? I just heard the bloopity bloop. Yeah, there goes Jack. All right, so Jack's gone. You can follow him at Jack Eason, probably. I think that's right. No, he's something no, else. He's, uh, he's, at Effigy101. Oh, Jesus. Change one, one, that handle. That's, that's not marketable. You can also go to OptimismVaccine.com. We've got plenty of articles, other great stuff for you to watch, listen to, uh, read, all, all kinds of stuff. Myros, where do people find you? Literally nowhere. Uh, they don't. Yeah. Uh, Jake, where do we find you? I'm at Jake Tropila, J-A-K-E-T-R-O-P-I-L-A. Fabulous. Sean Glennis, where Twitter. do we find you at? Uh, Mr. Glennis. Twitter. Okay, you can find him on the the message board on the IMDb page for Dirty Grandpa. Anyways, Optimism Vaccine, follow us on Twitter, please, and make sure make sure you go to our iTunes page and you rate and review us. It helps our visibility. The more people that uh, see that we've been ranked and reviewed, it improves our status, and then we get more people listening, and it's it's all good stuff. So please, five stars and a written review, we'd really appreciate it. And uh, Jake, last words yours. Can I say it? Can I say it? <laughs> no. Absolutely not. <laughs>